This is what you call coming to the service and your work all cut out for you. <laughs> all kind of desperate cases. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now let me point something out to you. When you uh, saw me over the screen there, pray for that lady last night. Now did you hear what I said? And how I prayed for her with authority in Jesus' name. And how I commanded. Now, did you hear me say that in Jesus' name I curse every root of this disease? Now, and commanded to die and all the symptoms to come out of her? Now, the reason I prayed like that is because my daughter, Zona, had growths all over her and her skin splitting, bleeding. Uh, for five years, and I prayed a normal, full gospel prayer, and nothing didn't happen. And then I began to seek God for the truth. Diligently seek God. The Bible says those that diligently seek God, they shall find God. Well, I could find God in joy. I could find God in blessing me. I could find God in blessing me when I went to church and loving me. I could find the loving God, but I couldn't find the miracle working God. Even though I prayed five years, and I always remember this, if you don't get healed or get your miracle, you didn't find the healer. You didn't find the miracle working God. You can go to church and sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound, and tell God that you love Him and sing up to Him, and He will love you back. And He will just love you and love you and love you. But that's no sign you'll ever be healed. You get back from heaven what you give up to heaven. And you need to know that. If you businessmen would walk the floor and call yourself successful and call Jesus the best business partner you ever met, and tell God that you believe his son is the best business partner you ever met and make him your own personal business partner and then give God's son, the Lord Jesus Christ, some of your money, you'll be rich. God will see to it that you're rich. But if you don't ever call Jesus the best businessman you ever met, then the knowledge for ideas for success that will work will never come to you. You'll just have to stumble along and figure out everything from the natural that you can and try to get all the geniuses together and all that kind of junk, you know, and try to get ideas from somebody else and read all kinds of books and all that kind of stuff, you know. And the Holy Ghost can give you one idea that'll make you a million dollars just like that. Just like that. And he knows exactly how to do it. But always remember this, you don't know how to do it. But he does. And he wants to give you the ideas 
See, the gift of the word of knowledge, God's knowledge is a gift to the church. It's all free, my brother and sister. You don't have to pay for it. It's all free. Healing is a gift to the church. It's all paid for. God wants to heal you a thousand times worse than you want to be healed. A thousand times more than you want to be healed. That's how bad God wants to heal you. In fact, if you want to know the real truth about it, I don't have time to go into it tonight, but I can teach you a lesson on it. How one time the Holy Ghost cried through me. The Holy Ghost actually literally cried through me because that he didn't get to heal a blind man in my service one time. And he cried through me because he didn't, didn't get to heal him. Because I spoke, God told me in my motel room, he said, I want you to speak on, and I want you to teach on blind Bartimaeus. I didn't even know there was a blind man there. And I want you to teach on it, and I want you to teach on it like you never taught it before. And I want you to teach it with boldness. And I want you to teach it with authority. And I didn't know there was a blind man there, but there was a blind man there. And when I taught on it, I taught exactly what blind Bartimaeus did to get his healing. The Lord told me, he said, I want you to teach, son, exactly in fine detail what blind Bartimaeus did to get me to heal him. And I taught exactly every move, every word, every action that blind Bartimaeus did to cause the Lord to heal him. But the blind man that was there, he didn't do what blind Bartimaeus did, so he walked out blind. And the Holy Ghost cried, because he would not act like blind Bartimaeus. He says, well, does a blind man have to act like blind Bartimaeus? Hey, I don't know how you have to act, but uh, that works for sure. That's the reason God has it recorded. Blind Bartimaeus' way is a sure way to get your blind eyes popped open. That is a sure way. If you want to have shortcuts and take some other approach and take approach to the Baptists or Methodists uh, to see if you can get it, well, you can go ahead. Listen to some denomination's version of God and see if you get it. Then if you can't get your eyes, blind eyes popped open through some denomination version of God, why don't you try blind, blind Bartimaeus's, why don't you try his version of God? Why don't you try his gospel? Why don't you try his approach and see what will happen? What do you think will happen? I don't think what will happen. I already know what will happen. Your blind eyes will pop open. Every time. Jesus said, what I do for one, I'll do for the other. Blind Bartimaeus is the one in the Bible, but you're the other. But you got to get the same way. You can't approach God or believe God any way you want to. And the people coming over here from Boston that you got healed now, I want to talk to the husband for a minute. Now, sir. Don't you take her back to Boston to some old cold church. If he'd been going to some old cold church, 
I command you, stop. Find you some church that's alive. But my relatives go there. Let them go. Go where the presence of God is. Had she been listening, somebody told me that she had been listening to my tape series, How to Live and Not Die. Is that true? Yeah, well, I made that tape series to create, to create faith in you, to create a desire in you to be healed. And they believed if they come here from Boston, and I prayed for them, she'd be healed. And that's exactly what she got. And she can keep her healing for the rest of her life, too. If symptoms ever try to come back in Jesus' name, say, No, you don't! Not to me! I won't accept this! You have to take authority over it. The devil can... Always remember this. The devil can never... I don't know what you're afraid of the devil for. The devil can never put anything on you as long as you say no. If he tries to put cancer on you, say, No! I won't accept cancer! Well, I want to put it on you anyway. So, well, you can try to put it on me all you want to, but I'm not going to receive it. Every day you try to put cancer on me, I'm going to resist it in Jesus' name. I'm going to open up my mouth and say, Cancer, I resist you. In Jesus' name, I resist you, and I command you die and go from my body. Cancer, I'm talking to you. I command you go from my body. And if you do that long enough, it'll just disappear. It'll totally disappear every time to anybody. But you've got to speak with authority. Now, the only reason I learned it that way is because that's the reason when, when I come, come back from heaven, I made that tape series, How to Live and Not Die. God taught me those things. The reason I prayed for that woman like that is because that's the way Jesus taught me to pray in heaven. What do you mean Jesus taught you to pray in heaven? Well, that's what yeah, he did. Because I began to seek the Lord for the truth. I found out my, my version of full gospel praying didn't work. But I also found out in the Bible that the man with the leprosy, when the Lord touched him, God's power came upon him and the leprosy disappeared and he put new skin upon him. But I couldn't get it for my daughter. But it was in the Bible and I knew it, I knew it was available. Whatever you read in the Bible, my brother and sister, is available for you. Why don't you make up your mind to get it? Well, I don't know how. Well, then go somewhere where they know how. Those people are willing to fly from Boston to here to get healed. Well, I got news for you. When the Lord told me how to pray. He told me in heaven right before I left when he started talking to me concerning my daughter. He told me in no uncertain terms and told me with a bold voice. That's the reason that I speak with a bold voice when I'm, when I'm talking to diseases. I never do pet diseases. God don't believe in petting devils. You say, devils? Yeah. Diseases and devils are one and the same. God does not cause diseases. How could Jesus give you the disease? He don't have any. The devil gives you the disease because he's full of them. He's sick from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. Anybody that's stupid enough to lose what he lost is sick sick. 
God's right-hand man living in heaven for all eternity and want more. How gullible can you get? And he told me, I mean the Lord. I'm not talking about some human being or some denomination. Thank God for all humans and thank God for all denominations. But God didn't call you to follow humans and follow denominations. God called you to follow his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't call you to follow men. He called you to follow his son. And so when the Lord slipped me out of my body one night, I'm walking across my living room just like stepping in a white cloud. And all of a sudden, I began to just out of my body and begin to go up into heaven in the presence of God. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there I was, like Paul said 14 years ago, you know, uh, there I was in the presence of God. The other man was, I don't know, in the body or out of the body, I don't know, only God knows. Well, I don't know either. I, all I started feeling, I started feeling my five senses <coughs> disappearing from me. And me standing in the living room. But when I got in the presence of God, he began to talk to me with a male voice. And I got in heaven, strong voice, I mean a strong, heavy voice. How long are you going to put up with those groats on your daughter's body? How long are you going to put up with them? That's the way God talks. That's exactly what he said to me. I've been praying five years that he would remove them, and he asked me how long I was going to put up with them. Then he told me, <clears throat> I just confessed to him that I didn't know what I, I was like all other humans on earth. I didn't know much. If you ever do get to go to heaven before you die and get into the presence of Almighty God and if he ever talks to you, you will then start detecting how dumb you are. You may wander around the earth for several years thinking you're a hotshot and that you know quite a bit about God and quite a bit about the Bible. But I got news for you. If God ever slips you out of your body and brings you up into his presence and start talking to you, you will feel like a total dumb jerk. <laughs> and I, all I did was mumble. I don't know, God, I don't know. <clears throat> Lord, I, I, uh, what do you mean, Lord? <laughs> he said, well, if you'll curse the roots of those gross on your daughter's body, besides that, she lives in your house. Now, man, I wish you'd believe this. Uh, she lives in your house. Besides that, son, he said, you're the head of your house. Everything goes on in your house is your fault. It's amazing what you can learn from God. <laughs> he said, if you don't curse the roots of those gross, they will die and disappear. Like the fig tree died when I cursed it. If you'll believe it, not doubt. I come back and curse the dumb things in Jesus' name and believed and thanked God for 40 days. And one day, just out of heaven, 
is like the wind swept in her room, went across her body, and she looked down, so sweet and so simple, she didn't even feel it. And she's like this, you know, and one time she's had them all, and she looked down like this, and all of a sudden she was brand new, all the growth gone, no split places on her skin had all been closed up and new skin put all over, and all the growth gone, 42 of them off of her body, and new skin put up on her, and she, <clears throat> she got so excited she ran into the wall. I ran into the dresser or something. I was standing out next to the kitchen. I heard a loud noise back there. She had to run into something. I don't know what it was. Then she started screaming, running down the hallway, holding her hands out, you know. Didn't know, I mean, I mean, all, I never saw anybody. She was afraid. She says, Daddy, Daddy, look at me, look at me. Look at me, Daddy, look at me, look at me. Hold her hands out, look at me, look at me. Everything's gone. Look at me, I have loose skin all over me. Look at me. She says, Daddy, this scares me. I'm afraid. It scares me. It's spooky. It's spooky, Daddy. <laughs> well, I guess it would kind of shake you up. You had the ugliest hands in high school and not and gross all over you and bleeding and all of a sudden you've been on there for five years and all of a sudden you're standing in your own room, not even in the gospel service, just standing in your own room and all of a sudden then you start doing something else and you look up like this and everything about you is brand new. That's hard on the human mind. But you found out that same kind of prayer, cursing the, cursing the roots of it, will work for her. And it'll work for you. It'll work for anybody. Take authority over anything that's buffeting you, the devil's trying to put up on you, and let it know you're not going to put up with it in Jesus' name. Come out! And curse the damn thing. The Lord said, if you'll curse them, they'll die and disappear. Blessed be the name of Jesus forever. All right. <clears throat> they have, I have been presented with something because there's so many people that's been calling in and some, several cases have come from out of town, like this lady and her husband came from Boston. No hope for her, and now that she's healed, bless God forever. And so I was obligated to speak down in Orlando, Florida next Friday and Saturday with Bob Harrison. But I told Jimmy and Al to go call Bob. They asked me, told me what they'd like to do. They said they'd like to have me and Oil and Richard Roberts all here next weekend. So I'm going to come back and work real hard and have another miracle service next Friday night and Saturday night. So all the churches that's carrying this on satellite, you ought to announce to your congregation right now because they're going to get busy on the satellite here and on the network and everything. And they're going to call. It would not surprise me at all. It would not surprise me to see this auditorium next Friday night totally packed out with people, especially people that's sick from all over this country. Now, a congregation of people out there that's got relatives. Now, here's a lady right here that's dying with a disease and no hope for her. And her and her husband came here from Boston, and the Lord healed her completely. I'm talking about completely. 
A woman standing here in the altar last night that had cancer, I mean cancer so bad, listen to this closely, I mean cancer so bad that her bones was eaten away and the doctor said, you need to wear crutches. You need to get crutches. You're going to have to get them. You might as well get crutches. And I laid my hands up on her last night and prayed for her right over there and I didn't feel a thing. Now see, last night was the least anointing I had on my hands since I've been here and we had more miracles last night than any other night. You don't judge what somebody gets from God if they fall or don't fall. Who cares if they fall or not? I don't care if you fall or if you turn to flip. <laughs> Make a difference to me. You do it by faith. And I can, she didn't even feel a thing. And I, didn't, and I didn't feel a thing either when I prayed for her. She just stood there, stood straight up. And I went on, come on down here praying for the people. In a few minutes, I'm praying for the people. And a few minutes then all of a sudden, standing there, God hit her and shot down through her and restored her. And I, are you ready for this? Knocked all the cancer out of her that moment. She'd come up, she'd come up to me crying and grab me around the neck. You know, glory to God, made me think I was married. <laughs> Grabbed me around the neck and started holding on to me. And said, the, said, I don't have it anymore. I don't have it anymore. I don't have it anymore. And you were here last night. How many was here last night? Amen. Did you hear that testimony? Amen. I don't know if that lady's here tonight or not, but uh, she's probably out running. Is she here? Brother, I mean, she was excited last night. Bless God forever. And uh, she said the cancer had totally disappeared. Well, that can happen to you from all over the country. If you will take time and, and tell your neighbors and tell your friends, especially those that's sick, and you'll bring them in here next Friday night, I will lay hands on everything that don't move. <laughs> next Friday night and Saturday night, both. So... All of you pastors really should run this on your tele, on the satellite screen and announce it to your congregation now. And advertise it in your local paper. Next Friday, Saturday and Sunday, Norval Hayes, Oral Roberts, and Richard Roberts. If they don't come to hear that, they're lost. They wouldn't go to come anyway. <laughs> so, you know, yes. Um... I just think that God, I just want to add this as the pastor and for the other pastors across America. Marvel, only God could be putting this together. You know, we have not tried to come up with another revival or anything. The last one was ordained of God. We just, we don't want to miss God, but yet we want to flow when God flows. And for Oral Roberts and Richard to be coming next weekend, and Marvel working his schedule out, actually he canceled a meeting to be here next weekend. I didn't know if he was going to come or not. I didn't know it until I saw it on the monitor in the back. Well, I, I, I didn't know if I was coming or not, and I asked him, I said, well, go call the people I'm obligated to next Friday and Saturday down in Orlando, Florida, and ask them, tell them what's happening here. Jeez. Tell them about this woman coming from Boston, getting healed, and a woman last night that God healed with cancer, different things, and I says, now, I want to stick to my obligations, but ask them to let me off and come back. If the people will bring their sick people from all over the country, I will lay hands upon them in Jesus' name. 
And I'm telling you boldly that Jesus himself taught me how to pray for my daughter, and she got it, and I'll pray for you the same way. And uh, so they called the people, and they said, yes, it's a lot more important for Norval to stay there, and so sick people that has no hope to get healed than to come to Orlando, Florida. Because I was going to teach another type of seminar, you know what I mean? Yeah. Also, amen. I tell you, I think revival fires are burning again. Hallelujah. Blow the trumpet inside. Hallelujah. Let's thank God because no telling what's going to happen tonight, all next weekend, super weekend. Amen. All right, blow the trumpet. Just blow the trumpet in Zion. Let's blow this trumpet one more time for Jesus. Amen. So just tell uh, Norval also, I want to make sure, sure one of the keys to success of the revival last year, a year ago, was the pastors, the anointing on you, being transmitted into the pastors and the pastors there in the churches, then laying their hands on the people in the churches. And we don't want churches, we haven't forgot you, and the anointing is here. It's got to flow from here, and it flows to you, and then on your people. And we had so many miracles across America in the local churches, so we want to encourage you. Friday and Saturday night, Norval Hayes. Uh, of course, if you're here in Dallas, it'll be Oral Roberts Sunday morning. And then Sunday night, Richard Roberts. Norval, I hope you can be here in that service also. So that'll be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and of course, Sunday night. Amen. So this, uh, this is the way the Lord's flowing. I feel like I should come up here. Amen. And Thank I'm just brother. open to whatever God has. Let's, let's, we might get to candy to fly in here too. Amen. Let go and let God have his way. Amen. Do it. <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord. I will leave. I have a large meeting set up this next Wednesday and Thursday. If you have anybody on that line, I, this is coming Wednesday and Thursday. I will, I will leave and go for, fulfill that meeting. It's in Pensacola, Florida at the Liberty Bible College Auditorium. They have a new auditorium there. It seats about 2,500. And so they've been advertising heavy. And, and I have a lot of great things happen there. It's Pensacola, Florida, Liberty Bible College Auditorium this coming Wednesday and Thursday. And then... Starting a week from tomorrow, on Monday night, I'll, I'll stay here until Monday morning, but starting a week from tomorrow, on Monday night, I started meeting in Crystal River, Florida at my own auditorium that I built down there in Crystal River, Florida. And I'll be there until, you know, for about five days. Then the next week I'll be in Cleveland, Tennessee at an annual healing seminar for my, my Bible school auditorium. June the 1st, first week in June, I'll be in Gatlinburg, Tennessee at the Holiday Inn. They have a free toll number if you'd like to call there, if you want to take a vacation and come there. And June the 15th, I go back to Israel and take a tour to Israel. Let's be God forever. I tell you, I had one of the strongest healing services in Israel I ever had in my life the last time we went to Jerusalem. And that was in November. Brother Hagin called me the other day and booked me for his camp meeting the last week in July, and I'll be teaching there every day for the last week in July at his camp meeting. So if you got any relatives or any sick people that needs help or anything like that around close to any of those areas, feel free to take advantage of that because 
the Holy Spirit works in strange ways, but he always works in line with his word. Now, tonight I would say probably from what I can pick up in my spirit that's going on inside of me, the anointing will probably be pretty strong tonight. Last night was so much on authority that the anointing on me wasn't real strong last night, but uh, more miracles happened than any other time. So it doesn't make any difference. Now the anointing that's on me sometimes can heal you. It'll break the yoke of disease. Thank God for the anointing. But I am telling you that laying on of hands is a doctrine of the church. And you lay hands on people regardless of what you feel. And God can perform a miracle. If you'll obey the Bible and obey the doctrines of the church, like the woman last night that had cancer, I didn't, when I prayed for her, I didn't feel a thing, and she didn't either. And it was several minutes later, and all of a sudden, God hit her and shot down through her and knocked all the cancer out of her that moment. See, you don't have to, you just can't judge God and put him in the box. He'll jump out every time. Bless God forever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, please, to the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. You know, I taught this chapter for 50-some nights and never did get finished. But the part that I taught you for 50-some nights, I'm, on, I'm not going to teach that part tonight. This is another part of the chapter. I never did really get this far before, you know. I think I might have read it to you. But I want to show you the importance of miracles. You see people receiving miracles and you wonder, well, why don't I see this in every church? Well, you can see it in every church. God is a miracle-working God, I'm telling you. He is a miracle-working God. And he wants to perform miracles in every church. Thank you, Lord. The 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, I want you to look down and notice the 28th verse. The reason that church, a church is supposed to have miracles is because God set miracles in the church. He set positions in the church. As you know, if you come to this church, you know that God has set Bob Tilton in this church to be the pastor. You know that, don't you? Yeah. I'm sure you do. God has set him in this church to be the pastor. God didn't set me here to be the pastor. When I come here, I'm supposed to stay under Bob. If he gets wild, I'll get wild. <laughs> but God told me one time years ago, he said, you go to church, son. He said, you stay under the pastor. Just stick to my word, but stay under the pastor and be nice. So when you go places, you're supposed to be nice. God believes in being nice. But God sets things in the church. Jesus one time appeared to Brother Hagin and talking to him and caused oil to come in here next week. You know, I happened to, happen to think about that. The Lord just reminded me of that. And Brother Hagin told me about it. And Brother Hagin was talking to him about you know, Brother Hagin likes to teach. Kenneth Hagin Sr., he likes to teach. And he was putting down prophecy, you know. I mean, he wasn't putting it down. Well, yeah, he was putting it down, but not, not, not verbally, not publicly. He wasn't putting it down. But prophecy, prophecy would rise up in him like this, and the Holy Ghost would want to prophesy, and he'd be teaching, and so he'd just push it down and wouldn't prophesy. He'd keep on teaching. And God didn't like it. And God told him, he says, now you're called to teach. And he appeared one day and talked to him. 
and said, you're called to teach. And the Lord appeared to him one day and talked to him for, for, for an hour and a half. That particular manifestation was an hour and a half. He, and the Lord said to him, said, I want to I talk to you about the church. And the Lord started telling him about the church. And he said, Jesus started off telling him, he said, most of the churches that you call full gospel churches has lost most of their anointing. He said, Jesus said, they don't have much left in the church anymore except tongues interpretation. He said, most of the churches that you call full gospel churches or Pentecostal churches, they do have tongues and interpretation left in the church but that's about all they got left, Jesus said. They let cripples walk in and walk out. They let cancer patients walk in and walk out and just say, well, we'll pray and see what'll happen and I hope God heals you. Well, that's unscriptural. To pray for somebody and hope God heals you. Curse the dumb thing in Jesus' name and command it to leave that person alone. You have to command the disease to leave a person alone. If you don't, cancer will dog your tracks until it kills you. God didn't call you and save you and shed his precious blood for you to put up with some dumb disease. He wants you to take authority over Jesus' name and tell that dumb thing where to go to. Jesus said, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done for him. Well, if you have cancer, that is your mountain. So why don't you start believing the Lord Jesus Christ and tell that cancer, Talk to it. That is your mountain. Say, cancer, I command you, come out of me and go. I cast you in the depths of the sea. <coughs> Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Jesus said, shall be, it shall be cast into the sea. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed. If you're talking to a cancer or bad blood or a financial problem or any kind of a problem that you've got, you've got to talk to that thing and call it by name. And if you don't like it, you have to say, Be thou removed from me. I command you, go from me. I command you, leave me alone. Cancer, I command you, die. You're not going to kill my body. I command you, die, I said. I command you, die. Get out of me. In Jesus' name, be removed from me. I command you, be removed from me. Jesus said, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. You are your words, and you won't never be anything else but your words. If you want to show people how intelligent you are, or what you know about God, or what you know about the Bible, or what you know about heaven, or what you know about jet planes, or what you know about a grocery store, or what you know about a clothing store, or what you know about science, or what you know about this, all you have to do is open up your mouth and start talking about it, then they'll know how much you know about it. Out of your belly, the mouth shall speak. Well, the mouth only speaks what you have inside of you. And if you don't have the knowledge of God on the inside of you, then 
how are you going to get God to do anything because you don't even know if he does it or not. But if you know what he will do and stand up on it and believe his word by faith, you can receive from God what you want. The abundant life has been prepared for you. Bob's got this organization that's called Success in Life. Well, that's exactly what God wants you to be, success in life. In every area of your life, not one or two. God don't want your children to go to hell. He wants you to learn how to pray and stand in the gap for them. God don't want your business to be broke. He wants you to be successful in abundance. Do you understand me? God does not want you to be sick. His son's already paid the crucial price of even straps on his back that you could be healed. God don't want you to have a weak voice and be a weak human being. God wants you to have a voice of authority in Jesus' name and stand upon what God's words promised you and command anything that tries to buffet you, tries to cause you harm, tries to destroy you. He wants you to command it. Go from me. Be cast into the sea. Go from me in Jesus' name. And if you don't talk like that, I guess you found out already. If you don't talk like that, I guess you found out already. I guess you found out already. I guess you found out already that cancer don't leave. Bad blood don't leave. Even tormenting, confusing spirits don't leave your mind. Everything about the devil is consumed with one idea, and that's to buffet your life and cause you harm and to destroy you. So you have to make up your mind. There's all power in Jesus' name. You have to make up your mind that Jesus is truth and the devil is a liar. You have to make up your mind that you can have whatever you say. Just make sure what you say is in Jesus' name. Just make sure what you say has been promised you by the Bible. Don't dream up any goofed up religious ideas about God. God's got scripture for what he said to you. And you have a right to use the scripture, my brother and sister. And God has set his church up. And the Lord told Brother Hagin when he talked to him that hour and a half about the church, he told him, he said, most all churches in the world has lost the power. He said, there's a few churches that you call full gospel churches. They've still got tongues of interpretation left, and that's about all they got. Sometimes there's one that'll get a little bit more than that. But most all miracles have left the church. Most healings have left the church, especially big healings, what you'd call, you know, cripples or cancer, that type of thing. The church is not strong enough anymore to tackle that. But I'm telling you that God's raising up people that'll believe anything. Don't be afraid to tackle something that looks rough. Are you kidding me? Just act like you got victory. And thank God for victory and you'll have victory. And God set the different positions in the church. And Jesus said, now this was a number of years ago before the charismatic movement ever started. Just because of, you know what Jesus told Brother Higgins? He said, there is, he said, there is something, he said, I don't like it the way the church is growing so cold. Even the full gospel churches are growing cold like the old denominational churches did. They started off with full of fire, full of power, but they've grown so cold years ago. Now the full gospel churches are growing cold, falling over in the lap of tradition of men, just like the other ones did. And Jesus said, I don't like it. 
And the Lord said, are you ready for this? And Jesus told him, stand up in front of me, he says, I am going to raise up a people to build my church with that will believe me and they will praise me and worship me. And that's when the charismatic movement started. God raised it up. You'll find charismatic churches now all over this world, not just in Texas. You'll find them all over this world, in towns all over this world. Since the Lord Jesus told Brother Hagin that, Jesus, the Lord has raised up thousands and 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 thousands of churches. Then, call, then he called Brother Hagin to start a Bible school, and he's got, Ramah's got students all over, the, in every continent of the world, they have students working and raising up churches. Now Bob's got a whole bunch of Bible schools around the world, teaching people how to worship God and how to believe God. It's just called the Word of Faith, really. I mean, you know, what it is, the name of this church, the Word of Faith. That's what it is, have faith in God's Word. That's all there is to it. Now, I never, did, I never heard before the charismatic movement come along. I never heard of people going to church. I heard of them singing out of the songbook and singing hymnals. I never heard of them singing those little courses, you know. Those little courses, and they worship God, and they just worship God and praise Him. And people down in front of the church dancing, you know, and worship God and praise Him and praise Him. Praise Him and praise Him and praise Him. And just keep on praising Him and praising Him and praising Him. But that's just a matter of, Brother Hagin told me years ago, he said, the Lord told me, I don't know, years ago, 20, 25 years ago, I don't like the way the church is growing cold, and I'm going to raise me up a people that will praise my name and worship me, and let the gifts of the Spirit flow like a river, and let the miracles of God flow like a river, and let healings of God flow like a river. Because see, Jesus is a healer, and he is a miracle worker. He's everything that you need, bless God forever, from daylight to dark, from daylight, from morning to noon and night. He's everything you need. And now, and all the positions of the church, all the positions of the church. Jesus told Brother Hagin in that particular manifestation, he says, I've been wanting you to prophesy, and you push it down all the time. He says, I don't like it. Are you ready for this? Jesus told Brother Hagin sitting out in front of me, he says, if you don't start prophesying like I've been trying to get you to do, he said, you're going to die. He said, in fact, seven more years would be as long as you'll live. If you don't start doing what I tell you to do, told Brother Hagin, if you don't start doing what I tell you to do, heaven will only put up with it, I think it was seven more years, and you'll die at the age of 55. Now, if you'll repent and do what I tell you to do, you can live on and on and on and on and teach my word for me. Didn't take Brother Hagin long, long to repent. <laughs> I've been with him in the spirit of prophecy would come up on him in a church service like this or somewhere, walking down the sidewalk or something, and he'd fall on his knees, prophesy for two hours, prophesy for an hour and a half. Hey, you don't hardly find nobody on earth that even can prophesy 15 minutes, much less two hours and a half. Prophesy when gas is 26 cents a gallon. Prophesy that gas would go over a dollar a gallon. 
Why, you wouldn't have dreamed of such a thing. But it all comes to pass anyway. Blessed be God forever. And so, <laughs> talk to him about the church. No miracles. And God don't like it when there's not miracles and healings in the church. God tells Brother Hagin, if you don't start doing what I tell you to do and believe it or not, you're going to die. You can imagine where you and me are sitting. You better get your mind straightened out. When God says it in the Bible, believe it. When God says I'm a miracle worker, believe that. Have as much sense as these people from Boston. Come all the way from Boston here with a deadly disease and no hope for the lady, and now she's going home healed. Went, got a two-hour leave from the hospital last night, went back to the hospital and got her stuff and left. You might say, well, Brother Norval, why do you want to, why do you want to believe in miracles? I mean, you know, I want to believe in love. Honey, faith worketh by love. If you don't have love, you don't have nothing. You have to have love first. But you've got to have more than love. I've seen, I've seen people go around and trying to live on love. Well, I love the Lord. Well, do you believe in miracles? I believe he could if he wanted to. But I love the Lord with all of my heart. Well, I guess you're going to have a healing service at your church on Sunday night, right? No. That's not the way we do it. But I love the Lord. I so love the Lord. Well, I guess you'll have, get your people baptized in the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues, won't you? No. That's the devil, and I don't believe in that. But I love the Lord. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. Well, I mean, see, when you have that kind of love, that's sick. Sick. Who wants that kind of love? I want to fall in love with the Bible, my brother and sister. I don't want to walk around and say, well, I love the Lord and make fun of the book of Acts. Well, you're nuts. In fact, if you want to know the truth about it, you wouldn't know what love was if you met it in the middle of the street. You know what love is? Love is loving a person so much that you believe what they say. Love is trust. If you don't trust the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't love Him. If you don't believe what He says, you don't love Him. You're only kidding yourself. You know what you've allowed yourself to do? You fell in love with love. Your version of love is something woozy. I love the Lord. <laughs> you wouldn't know what it was if you met in the middle of the street. If you love God, then obey Him. Do what He says. Amen. God says if you don't obey Him, you don't love Him. Right. Did you know He said that? Oh, yeah. Read it in the Bible. Where? All through it. Amen. God says if you don't obey me, do what I say, you don't love me. You love yourself. Do what you want to do. Why should the Bible offend you? The Bible shouldn't offend you. I don't care what it says. Anything the Lord Jesus Christ says or does about his, he shouldn't offend you. You should be thrilled and proud to even be connected with him. I consider it an honor to come to this church and watch the Lord perform miracles. This coming Wednesday and Thursday night in Pensacola, Florida, at the Liberty Bible College Auditorium.
Ken Summerall is the pastor. I've loved Brother Summerall for years. He's a first-class gentleman. He loves to see the power of God come to his church. And nine years ago when I was there, and that woman come up out of the wheelchair, shot through the air, and God turned to normal, May Stafford, that's where she got healed at. Now then he's booked her. She's going to be there this next Wednesday and Thursday, teaching in the daytime while I teach at night on healing. Now then she goes around the country holding healing meetings. Now, I'm going to tell you just like it was. If you don't think how much God loves you. She was a old, I mean, looked like she was 85 years old. She wasn't, but she looked like she's 85 years old. Wretched, wrinkled, blind, couldn't even see me. Mind gone, don't even know what I spoke on. Twisted, crippled, with bars around her bed, sitting in a wheelchair. And I laid hands on her, like this woman over here. And God picked her up out of the wheelchair and went whoosh. And in the air, everything about her went boo. Her eyes became 20-20 vision. Her mind became back in focus and normal. All of her crooked bones like this popped, whoosh, stretched out. Everything, she began to run around the church. In a split second, began to run around the church. And uh, God gave her a healing ministry. Now then she goes around the country teaching healing. The reason she teaches healing like she does and she's so excited, she sounds like a high fanatic. But can you imagine being blind with no mind and twisted and crippled and God coming to your place, God coming and healing you in a split second when you act fanatical for the rest of your life? I don't care if she's in my Bible school auditorium in Cleveland, Tennessee. I don't care if she's sitting right here on this front bench. I don't care if it's me or Bob or Oral Roberts or one of Bob's teachers. It doesn't matter who it is. If you get up here and you just mention something about Jesus being a healer, she'll go, Amen. <laughs> Every time she hears the word Jesus being a healer, she goes, Amen. Praise the Lord God. Because she knows it's the truth. Brother, you've been in her shape, and you'd be that wild yourself. Can you imagine falling in love with the Bible? Now, 12th chapter of 1st Corinthians, have you found that yet? You have found it. If you found that, there's hope for you. If you haven't found it by this time, there's no hope for you. 28th verse. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles. Notice after he mentions three positions of the church, however, there's five positions of the church, but this particular scripture only mentions three positions of the church. And uh, notice that he leaves the evangelist out and, and, and the pastor out. There's five positions of the church, but he mentions three here. But notice after that, the first word that God said in the church, the first thing God put in the church, after he mentions the positions of the church, is miracles. And lady, you got one. Glory to God. It's a gift to the church, my brother and sister. Miracles is a gift to the church. And when you teach Jesus on that level, he does what you teach. 
I never will forget one time I was speaking in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, along this line, and all of a sudden, speaking, now you can imagine, and there, there's about 2,000 people there. This was a missionary conference, about 2,000 people. That same church has built a new sanctuary now. They have a sanctuary that seats 6,000 people. And I just held a seminar for them a few while back, several weeks ago. And, and all of a sudden, I'm teaching like this, and all of a sudden, there's three or four or five or six people back in the congregation, just stood up in the congregation, and they were, you know, kind of half-talking to each other, and me standing up here, and I said, what's going on back there? What's happened back there? And they said, you know, three or four or five people sent up a little group back there, standing up. I said, and the service going on. I said, what's happening back there? They said, uh, Brother Norville, Jesus just healed a cripple girl sitting back here. And I said, is that right? <laughs> and I saw, then I could see kind of between the people, and I saw, looked like a young girl standing back there, you know, like this, standing up, you know, with the power of God all over. I says, well, honey, just come down here, come in here to the front, and let Jesus have a testimony. You're overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony. When the Lord Jesus Christ does something for you, it's our responsibility, and he has a right to have a, to have a word of testimony from it. It causes other people to believe. And that Bob is one of the best interviewers I've ever seen. Boy, I'm telling you, he can bring a testimony out. He can dig all them gold nuggets out of a testimony. Where it becomes is just real. You know what I mean? That's the way God, God likes things real anyway. God, God's not interested in phony stuff and planning stuff, you know. Well, now, print up my program on Sunday morning, and I'm going to tell you what God's going to do Sunday morning in our church. This is what he's going to do, and you better believe it. This is all he's going to do, too. <laughs> I mean, you know, how are you going to tell the Holy Ghost what to do? You're not going to tell the Holy Ghost anything. And so this teenage girl, she gets up, and walks down the aisle like this, you know, and I noticed, I just noticed that night, I noticed there, there was a boy walking beside of her, and he was a young boy too. I didn't know, I mean, and she wasn't quite grown, but she was a pretty good sized girl. She looked like she was about 16 or 17, but she said she was 14, and she was crying, and the power of God all over, and she was walking up like this, and this boy looked like he was about 16 or 17, 18, it looked like he was in high school, he was walking beside of her like this, looking at her. And he was mumbling something coming down. There's a large church, and he was mumbling something coming, coming down there, you know, staring at her knees and feet. And he was mumbling something, walking beside her, looking at her. When he got down here pretty close, I could hear what he was saying. He said, he was saying, this is my crippled sister. I have to get in here. This is my crippled sister. I have to get in here. This is my crippled sister. I have to get out of the car all the time. I, I carry her everywhere. I take her everywhere. <laughs> this is my crippled sister. I have to get in here. I mean, I have to get in this church. This is my crippled sister. And he was so shocked. Looking, he was looking at her legs and her feet that he had seen for so long, twisted and crippled, have her get out of the car. Now that she's walking like a normal human being, and he was so stunned he couldn't hardly believe it himself, but he kept on looking at him. <laughs> so she came up here, and I got up behind the pulpit, and I says, well, tell us, little darling. I said, what happened to you, honey? She says, I don't know. <laughs> she said, I was just sitting back there listening to you. And all of a sudden, she says, my, my, 
legs is crooked, and she says, I've been crippled before. She says, and my, all of a sudden, my legs begin to turn warm, just warm. I didn't know why they was turning warm, but they did. I was just sitting back there minding my own business, and my legs begin to turn warm, and my feet begin to turn warm, and then uh, in a few seconds after they turn warm, they begin to turn hot. And then the hot substance that came into my legs, I was just sitting back there, and it felt like it had strength and power to it. And so I just reached down like this on the side of my seat and pushed up like this right here, pushed myself up because I felt like power came, some kind of power came into my legs and feet. And I just pushed myself up on her own faith, see. That's probably why God did the whole job right then because she put action to her faith. She just pushed herself up like this. She says, when I pushed myself up like that, my crooked feet and legs just whoosh, became normal, and I stood up. And that's all there is to it. I'm walking. And they're normal. They turned warm and then hot. Then power came into them. I pushed myself up. Whoosh. The moment I began to push up, they went whoosh, and became normal like they are right now. Now get this straight. Jesus loves you. You talk about pure love. I'm going to tell you what it is. Jesus loves you that much. And whatever may be wrong with you, that same power is available for you. That same warm, hot substance of God's healing and miracle-working power is available to go into your body and give you a new kidney if uh, you need one. Or your eyeballs and give you sight if you need sight. Go into your crooked bones and whoosh, melt them and just stretch them out and make them normal, completely normal. And the Lord himself, he does it so easy. You and me should not try to make an easy job hard. He does it so easy. Jesus is the best surgeon I ever met. Dr. Fowler in Jacksonville, Florida, because I have a place there. He's a top surgeon in Jacksonville. He's a good surgeon in Jacksonville, Florida. Spirit-filled. But Jesus is the best surgeon I ever met. I know another good surgeon from John Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, Maryland. One of the top medical schools in this country. And he's good. There's no question about it. But I said, Jesus is the best surgeon I ever met. And he'll operate on you. All you have to do is find your church somewhere. If you can't get him to do it yourself, find your church somewhere where they allow him to operate on people. All churches do not tell their congregation that Jesus is a surgeon. Always remember this. Every church has to live with the kind of gospel they preach. Every human being on earth, you've got to live with the kind of gospel you preach. Whatever you believe about God, 
That's what you have to live with. It's not hard for me to believe. It used to be hard for me to believe. In fact, you can't believe the Bible just because you want to. I found out years ago, you can't believe the Bible just because you want to. You cannot believe that the Lord is a miracle worker and a healer just because you want to. You, the only thing you can believe is what you've been taught in the past. So when I come face to face with God, and He wasn't trying to get me to believe the Bible, He wanted me to believe the, in the Jesus of the New Testament. I tried to, but I couldn't. And I, because when I prayed for somebody, I didn't know anything about them going to get healed. I mean, you know, well, oh God. And your relatives on one side said, you're not going to healing services. And uh, one of the deacons from my own hometown church <coughs> where I was raised, the, cha- the, the same church, get this straight, the same church where my mother died with cancer at the age of 37, the same church where my brother died with breast disease at the age of 19, football player in high school, that same church where they died, one of the deacons made a, made a statement here some time ago. He said, told a friend of mine, he said, I'm going to ask you a question. He said, I have heard, I never would have believed that Norval Hayes, a fellow like him, I never would have believed that he would have ever done that. I never would have believed he'd ever stooped that low. I never would have believed that he'd ever got hung in with a cult of people, with that kind of a cult. But I heard, and he said, said a friend of mine, I want to know if this is the truth or not. He says, I heard that Norval Hayes is going around the country fooling with those kind of people that believes in that healing stuff. You know, I never would have believed that he ever lowered himself to ever fool with those kind of human beings, to ever get hung into a cult like that and those, that sect of people that believes in that healing stuff. He said, is that the truth? Has normals actually stooped that low? But the fellow he was talking to went, went, went to that church for years. And he'd walked up to me about three or four years before that. And he said, since I had a car wreck, I've had pain in my body for 15 years. I said, I don't put up with pain. He said, you don't? I said, no. I said, you want to get rid of pain? He said, yes. I said, I'm going to make it leave you in Jesus' name. I laid hands on him. I said, pain in Jesus' name. Come out of him. Stop, I said. Go from him. In Jesus' name, pain. I take authority over you. Go, I said, right now. I turned him loose. I said, you have any pain? He says, no, it's gone. <laughs> First time he'd been free of pain in 15 years. And he hadn't had it since the time I prayed for him. He told me, he says, you know, Norval, four years ago when you prayed for me and took authority over pain, I haven't had one spark of pain since then, and I had pain in my body 15 years. And the deacon in that church asked this fellow, told this fellow about me. He said, is Norval Hayes actually doing that? He said, well, what do you mean actually doing what? He said, I can tell you one thing. Norval Hayes believes that Jesus heals human beings. But when you put it like that, you know, I don't care how mean they are, they always say, 
Well, I guess Jesus could if he wanted to. They don't, some, they don't actually deny what Jesus, Jesus himself could do if he make up his mind to do it. He could do that. But if you ever start having a healing service, they'll make fun of you. That's what you call being sick sick. <laughs> Nuts, man. Don't go to religious churches if you have cancer. You got to go to healing churches. If you want a miracle from God, go to a miracle church. Now you understand why my, 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 my mother died and my brother died there? Yeah. With that kind of attitude, what, what chance on God's green earth would my mother have a chance to be healed going to a place like that with that kind of an attitude? You have an attitude like that? Well, you got to heal people there. You've got to be kidding. You have to change in another human being. The Lord don't perform miracles and heal people everywhere. He only does it where they believe him to do it. And you've got to believe him to do it, my brother and sister. He don't do it just, just to be doing. He does it because, he does it because you believe him to do it. And he wants to do it all the time. And he wants to do it for you. If you let him do it. Now you see all these, th look at all this stuff. I'm telling you, there's a whole bunch here. Let's look at some of these. Cancer. Needs to be healed. Believing she will be healed. But her doctor is a doubter. That's what it says right there. Doctor is a doubter. And she has cancer. Bless God forever. Most, not all doctors, but most, Dr. Fowler in Jacksonville, he's not a doubter. But many doctors are doubters. But when God does something, then they say, well, higher power. <laughs> Doctor call, doctors call Jesus a higher power. Well, he's a higher power, all right. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank God. Everybody say, Jesus never changes. Jesus never changes. This is a night of miracles. I will work all next week to get people in here to be healed and to receive a miracle. All right, now right here is a Jewish man, I think in the congregation. He has a three-hour pass from the hospital. Three-hour pass from the hospital, brain tumor and, and uh, different things. A Jewish man just got saved. Are you here? Where's he at? Bring him down here. And these services and probably next Friday night and Saturday night will be the same. I will teach you for a little while, but not, not a real long time because I want to spend most of my time in these weekend meetings 
next Friday night and Saturday night and tonight, I want to spend most of my time ministering. I mean, since the Lord taught me how to pray to get a miracle for my daughter, I mean, I can pray for you, and if you'll believe it, you can receive a miracle, just like the lady from Boston did. It's no problem for God to heal you. He'll give you a miracle. He'll operate on you. I am telling you boldly, the Holy Ghost will operate on you. In Jesus' name, blessed be the name of the Lord. How long have you been saved, sir? About three weeks. About three weeks. Sure feels good, doesn't it? Glory to God. Are you his wife? You're his sister-in-law. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I just came back from Jerusalem. Had a wonderful time in Jerusalem. You want to take another tour? June 15th. You might as well make reservations tonight to go. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's amazing though sometimes, sometimes Jewish people will say, well I just don't believe in Jesus, you know, except he's a nice fellow. But when I prayed for a crippled boy in Jerusalem, I mean a crippled man got healed, it was amazing. Then the Jewish people that had crippled children, they would bring them and say, pray, pray for him, pray, mister, mister, pray, pray, pray for him, pray for him, pray for him. My crippled child, pray for him. Blessed be the name of Jesus forever. Do you have brain tumor and MS, multiple sclerosis, you have that? And also a brain tumor. I guess the doctors gives you no hope, huh? Well, he said that uh, they're going to operate. He says they're going to operate. Well, they always like to do the best they can, you know. Of course, I always remember when doctors and hospitals do the best they can, you wind up with no money. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> I love doctors, though. I believe in doctors and hospitals and nurses and all, but there is a better way. And Jesus is that better way and he loves you. I tell you, Jesus loves his Jewish brothers. Praise God forever. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> well, now the MS, I'm going to curse that dumb thing in Jesus' name and just tell it to die and get out of your body completely. And the only thing you need in your brain is a miracle. Your head don't have to be cut open and have an operation. You need a miracle in your brain. And the Lord is a miracle working God. He's a miracle working God and He loves you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Are you ready to receive? Yes, sir. You have a three hour pass from the hospital. Right. Bless God forever. Stretch your hand out here. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I curse the roots of this disease in Jesus' name. And I command every root in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to die. 
I said die in Jesus' name and turn his body totally loose and come out of him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I said obey me, come out of him and let his body go free in Jesus' name. And I lay my hands on his head and I claim a complete miracle, go down through his brain in Jesus' name and give him a special miracle in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Thank you, Lord, for doing it for him. In Jesus' name. Yeah, thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Go not in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Go not in Go in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for your mighty power. Thank you, Lord, for your mighty power. Thank you, Lord. 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 Blessed be the name of the Lord God forever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's right. Just stand behind him, David, and let that power go right down through him. Let it go through his head and right down through his body in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for healing him. Thank you for a special miracle for him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for saturating him with our mighty power in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. <laughs> what happened to you? I don't know. <laughs> I, it's good, whatever. <laughs> thank you, Jesus, very much. Thank you. All right. Now, you believe I love you? Yes. I believe Jesus loves me, too. Oh, I know Jesus does. Yes. You have to worry about Jesus, love. You have to worry about humans. Yes. <laughs> There's two things that you need. You don't mind if I tell you the truth? What? You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. and have a heavenly language. You know the God of Isaac and Jacob, he wants you to talk to him. Okay. Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Well, sometimes my knowledge is not too hot, and sometimes your knowledge is not too hot. Sometimes the most intelligent human in the world, their knowledge about God is not too hot. But the Lord says, God says, I have a heavenly language, and if you'll speak up to me in that heavenly language a lot, that he, the Holy Spirit, will get the will of God for the saints. That means he'll get victory for the saints. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you need to speak in the heavenly language. Now, don't be afraid of it. It's so sweet. It's precious. Absolutely precious. And I need to throw your cigarettes away. Okay. I used to smoke camels and uh, I wanted the Lord to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And he kept on trying to get me to stop smoking and I wouldn't do it. 
And I said, Jesus, why don't you baptize me in the Holy Spirit? He said, why don't you do what I want you to do? I said, well, all right. What do you want me to do? He said, you know what I want you to do? I said, yeah, I know you want me to stop smoking. It's not easy to get Baptists to stop smoking. <laughs> Especially when you're raised in Tennessee and North Carolina. They raised a lot of tobacco in Tennessee and North Carolina. That's the, that's the tobacco belt. And I never dreamed it was wrong to smoke. I didn't think, that, I didn't even never dream because my, my daddy and all of my uncles and people like that, they smoked, you know, and the people at the church, we used to give a smoke break in church. 